Turn in our Bibles to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. First of all, I want to thank all of you for putting up with me last week. Uh, it, was, uh, it was my joy and my pleasure to share some with you last Sunday morning. And uh, sometimes when uh, you get that last minute call, you know, always be ready to preach, pray, praise, or promote. And uh, sometimes you get that last-minute call, you're, you're not always confident how things are going to time out. And uh, my lesson last Sunday morning certainly did not time out well. <laughs> and I preached a little bit long, talked to, taught a little bit long, so I wanted to say thank you for putting up with me, and you're so very gracious. And uh, I, had, I enjoyed our time together. I had a great time, and I hope it was a blessing to you, even though we went a little long. So... Uh, to make up for that, to kind of redeem myself, I promise you I'm going to be short today. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, first of all, I have a deadline that I absolutely cannot talk past, and uh, I'm going to try to quit early. We're not going to be long this morning at all. I also want to say that I so very much appreciate uh, Brian, Brother Brian Toole and Lisa, and the family are putting together our Sunday school songs. Uh, uh, I am thoroughly enjoying uh, what they're doing. And, and can these kids sing or what? Boy, they are, they are doing a great job. And uh, I just love hearing them sing. And I love the songs that they're, that they're coming out with. They remind me of those old vacation Bible school songs. You remember those? Uh, Boy, oh boy, I just, I remember sitting in church and we're all divided into teams and we're just all singing at the, at the top of our lungs those, those wonderful old vacation Bible school songs. And these songs kind of remind me of that. <clears throat> and they are, uh, they are full of truth and there's nothing like just beautiful music like that to just wash your soul, just wash your mind and wash through your feet and, and cleanse you. And uh, yeah, I'll say it, there's something very supernatural about it. And uh, if you've heard me teach, you know that uh, I take a little bit different view of the supernatural. There's the name. Right? And uh, when we talk about the supernatural, we want to be careful that we don't Walt Disney. For us. We need to look at the Word of God and let the Holy Scriptures define what it means to be supernatural. So yeah, there's, you're changing me out already. Well, you're a good man. We will hold it against your time. <laughs> yes, we will. <laughs> On I think we got it figured out. There we go. Is that a little better? I don't know. I can't tell. <clears throat> so where were we? What was I saying? Supernatural. Oh, supernatural. Right. We just want to be careful that we look at the Word of God and let the Word of God define supernatural for us, right? So uh, uh, there's something very supernatural about those songs and... Uh, it reminds me of Ephesians 5, the washing of the water of the Word. 
And we're going to look into the Word this morning, and it's my prayer that the uh, the Word of God will cleanse us and just wash through our hearts, wash through our souls, and uh, supernaturally uh, uh, open our hearts and open our minds to the light, the Word of God, and, and cleanse our hearts and our minds. So uh, you've got your Bibles open to James chapter 1. <clears throat> I really wanted to finish uh, the vine, John 15, and the Holy Spirit just wouldn't let me go there this morning. And uh, I talked to Pastor Stephen about it, and I said, man, I'm really struggling between these two passages, and he said, James 1, let's go there. And I said, okay, you, you, you've got it. So James chapter 1, let's stand together, and let's read this aloud together. Uh, we'll read the first eight verses of James chapter 1. <clears throat> and we'll read it this way. We'll say the reference, James 1, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, ready? Here we go. James 1, 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye... <coughs> If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man... Rejoice in that he is exalted. We'll end there. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for being our husbandman. Thank you for being the one that provides, protects, the one that prunes, the one that oversees the vineyard. We thank you that as believers in Jesus Christ, that we are one with you and that your Holy Spirit dwells within us and we rejoice in your presence. We thank you for your holy, precious promises. As the promiser, we rest in your promises, and we thank you for being so good. I thank you for this promise that we're going to look at this morning. But Lord, we need some wisdom. Some of these verses don't make sense to us in the natural world. They seem to be kind of far out. But I pray that you'd open our hearts and our minds to the truth 
understanding that, that this old boy doesn't have the market cornered on truth. So we look to you and we pray that you would fill our minds full of your truth and that through that you would wash us and make us clean and cleanse our minds and our hearts. We glory in you. We boast in you. We adore you. And we thank you so much for Jesus and all he means to us. In Jesus' great and mighty name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. <clears throat> There's uh, something you may not know about Mrs. Reisinger, about Aunt Monica. She happens to be the greatest cookie baker on the planet. I mean, on the planet. She makes, uh, among many recipes, she has a recipe that was handed down to her from her mother and from her mother, and I'm guessing probably from her mother, that is out of this world. I mean, it is the closest thing to supernatural you get <laughs> in the natural world, okay? It is a cookie recipe that is, uh, wait for it, black strap molasses cookies, okay? They are incredibly unbelievable and incredibly good. So, in our house, we really look forward to cookie baking day, right? And uh, I'll come home from work, and I'll open that back door, and when I open that back door, boy, the, 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 the aroma of those black strap molasses cookies come, comes wafting through that back door, and uh, I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah, this is the day. Oh, I can smell them now. I can smell them. Man, they smell good, and I kick my boots off, and she's not in the kitchen. And I, uh, I sneak over to the oven, and I, I pop that oven door open, and whoo, the heat comes out of there, that black strap molasses. And I'm thinking, this is going to be great. And the next thing I hear is, Robert? Close the door. Oh, I'm just looking. Robert, close the door. And I say, oh, they smell so good, babe. These, are, these smell great. They're terrific. And I can't wait to have a black strap molasses cookie. And then you hear those dreaded words. Not today. Those are for potluck. Oh, potluck? We're, we're going to waste black strap molasses cookies on potluck? <laughs> I have a preacher friend that says a balanced diet is a cookie in each hand. Yes, yes. And boy, she says, 
You're just going to have to be patient. You're just going to have to wait. And our parents, kiddos, they work real hard at teaching us patience, right? Now, I like to call these life skills. And life skills are what? They are skills that we learn that we use our entire lives. And they tend to be extremely important to the quality of the life that we live, right? So a life skill is something that you'll use all of your life. Uh, name me some life skills that your parents have taught you. Diligence, Diligence is a life skill. How about another? Discipline. Discipline is a life skill. Kindness, very good. Kindness is a life skill. Patience, Patience is a life skill. Honesty. Honesty. Is a life skill. Lots of life skills, aren't there? Practical life skills. Give me some practical life skills. Right. Learning to drive. Resourcefulness. Brushing your teeth. At least once a week, right? <clears throat> what else? Practical life skill. How about cooking? How about baking? How about baking brat black strap molasses cookies? Yeah. That's a life skill, right? Good life skills. So lots of practical life skills, lots of, lots of attitudinal life skills. A life skill, that, uh, a few of the life skills that we've shared here uh, that relate to our faith, to our Christianity, is the life skill of worship. Remember, we talked about the life skill of worship. Remember thy creator, uh, fear the Lord, keep his commandments, right? The life skill of worship. We've also talked about the life skill of meditation, what it means to meditate in the Word of God, Psalm chapter 1. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And we talked about the, the wonderful blessings of being able to meditate in the Word of God. I'd like to do that this morning. I'd like to simply meditate together through this passage and look at the life skill of waiting on the Lord, the life skill of waiting. Now, it's similar to, it's related to, it's, it's, it's very close to the life skill of patience. But in this case, we're going, to, we're going to relate it to our faith, relate it to our Christianity, our Christian walk, and let's talk about the life skill of waiting. So let's just move through the passage uh, We'll, we'll concentrate on the first five verses, and we'll move through the passage together. <clears throat> in verse 6, he, he says, excuse me, in verse 5, he says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally. Now, I always like to include verse 5 with the first four verses, and uh, you'll see why, because it, it looks to me like we need some of that wisdom from the Lord to understand these first four verses. And we asked for that, didn't we? So we're going to concentrate on the first four. In verse 1 he says, James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. I wish we had time to spend a lot of time here in verse 1, 
I, I commend to you a study or a meditation on the person of James. Uh, I've actually been meditating and studying in the book of James now for about a year. Uh, I can't, the Lord, the Lord has planted me here for some reason, and I have thoroughly enjoyed it. And specifically, James chapter 1, it's, it's extremely rich. There's a lot here for us to learn by, to grow by, to help us. And I, again, I commend it to your study, to, to your meditation. And we begin with a study of James. Now, this James, this is not Peter, James, and John. This is the half-brother of our Lord Jesus Christ, who before the resurrection was not a believer. So he's an interesting person, and he becomes the, the bishop or the pastor of the church at Jerusalem. And something is going on here that has, that has promoted him to pick up pen and parchment and uh, maybe to employ a scribe to pen a letter to his brethren. Look at it again. He says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. So what does that mean? It's the, the brethren are scattered abroad. What's going on? In the early church, in the, in the Acts of the Apostles, what we see is the Holy Spirit has come at the, at the day of Pentecost. He has filled the apostles, the believers, with the Holy Spirit, which begins the ministry of the Holy Spirit through the Acts of the Apostles. James becomes the, the pastor of the church. All those people that were added to the Lord, the, the church there in Jerusalem, and persecution comes persecution in a big, big way, and the believers are scattered all throughout the region. So James writes this letter within the context of great, great persecution. Um, all kinds of horrific, terrible things are going on at the hands of those that would persecute this new church, the church of Jesus Christ. He says to his brothers, greeting. The word greeting there is a, is a delightful, uh, very generous, genuine kind of term. He says greeting as if to say, um, I'm writing out to you. Uh, it's a salutation that, uh, that communicates his love for his brethren. So let's get into verse 2 then. My brethren term of endearment, he says, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations. Count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations. When I meditate on a passage, one of the things that I like to do that I find great pleasure in is I like to look at the definitions of the words. Your King James Bible is a good, good translation of the Texas Receptus Greek that the King James Bible basically comes from. It's a good translation. Greek, Hebrew and Greek are very precise. They're very specific in the words that are chosen and the words that are used in the text. When you translate a language like that, Hebrew or Greek, 
into American English, oftentimes you lose some of the meaning. Some of the meaning becomes a little obscured, okay? Now, you can trust your translation. You can trust your Bible. The King James translators were extremely intelligent translators. They are very smart. They knew what they were doing. It's a good translation. So you can trust it. But I find great pleasure and great enjoyment out of looking at the, the deeper meanings, uh, looking for some of that meaning that may have been lost in the translation in, in that obscurity, okay? And hopefully you'll see what I mean here. I looked at the word fall. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations. That word, word means... Uh, it means so to fall into as to be encompassed. So to fall into as to be encompassed. It means to fall into something that is all around, uh, to be surrounded with. Okay? So we use the word casually, I, I fell into something, when you fall into something. We don't necessarily think of it as being surrounded by something, do we? Okay? So that's a good example. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into, when you're surrounded by, when you're completely encompassed by diverse temptations. How many of you use the word diverse this week? Okay? Divers or divers. That's an old English word. Okay? And here's a, here's a place where we could actually use something, a tool like the Webster's 1828 Dictionary, and we could go back and look at the, the old English word divers to see how he defined it. And that's the word that the King James translators used to translate this Greek word. The Greek word means uh, various colors, variegated. It comes from a word that means of various sorts, uh, of uncertain der derivation, uh, various in character. It means manifold, okay, many, manifold. So what we have, if we applied these definitions, we have my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into, when you're encompassed by, when you're surrounded by manifold, many temptations. Now, we all know what a temptation is, right? What's a temptation? <laughs> cookies, right? <laughs> cookies, he says cookies. Blackstrap molasses cookies, uh, okay. Temptation, a temptation is uh, an experiment an attempt, a trial, a proving, a proving. Um, it is the trial of a man's fidelity, integrity, virtue, or constancy. Okay? Uh, it is an adversity, an affliction, a trouble. Uh, used in the Bible as, 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 as a trouble or an affliction and adversity sent by God in serving to test or prove one's character, to prove one's faith or holiness. A temptation, a trial, a testing, a proving. 
So my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into, when you're surrounded by manifold provings, manifold testings, manifold trouble, manifold problems, manifold evil. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, I'm, I'm just a good old boy from Wyatt, Indiana, okay, way down south. And when James says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into that, <laughs> that gives me pause, <laughs> all right? What, count it all joy? What, have, have you lost your nut? Uh, maybe James was feeling the stress. Maybe he was feeling the pressure of the, of the oppression. Maybe he, maybe he really didn't mean what he said. Maybe he was just trying to make people feel better, right? No. The scriptures say nothing in vain. There's a reason why he said that. Is he suggesting that when, when, when evil comes upon me, when I'm tried, when I'm oppressed, when I'm persecuted, that I'm to be happy about it? That I'm to be joyful? I, I'm here to tell you by the authority of the Word of God that no, that's not what he means. And don't let anybody tell you that that's what he means. Some of you are experiencing evil unlike any of us have ever dreamed of, many of you. Some of it I'm privy to. Some of it I'm not. And it's not fair. It's evil. It's awful. And James is not suggesting that you count it joy. That that is going on with you and that that has happened to you. That's not what he's saying. But, you, but Uncle Bob, that's what it says. Count it all joy. That's what he says. He says, count it all joy. Regard it. Figure on it. You see, there's a reason James can say this. There's a reason he can write this statement. When this happens to you, he says, I want you to count it joy. Not that you're joyful in the persecution. Not that you're joyful in the evil and the everything that, that's, that's trying you. Not that. Let's see if we can discover what that is. You see, James knows something. He knows that you can count it joy because he knows what's coming. So let's see if we can find it. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Knowing this, ah, here we go, knowing something, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Trying, again, means the proving of something. That by which something is tried or proven 
a testing. By implication, it means a trustworthiness. Okay, we're going to try something. Knowing this, that the trying of your what? Faith. Oh. What, what about the trouble? What about the persecution? What about the, what about the evil? He says, knowing this, that the trying of your faith. Worketh patience. You see, in every trial, in every tribulation, in everything that, that the enemy has to throw with us, his goal, his end game, is that he has orchestrated that for your destruction. Think about it. We have an enemy, and that enemy is out to destroy mankind. And his goal, his end game, is to destroy you. So when evil comes your way, that's the enemy's purpose. Is to bring something into your life that takes you out that takes you out of the game, the game of life, the all-important game. God, however, he will take that evil and take that trial and take that trouble and turn it into his end game. His purpose, his goal for you is to give you life, is to grow you up, it's the trying of your faith. You see, when, when an unbeliever, when a person who has not been born again, who does not have the Spirit of God dwelling within him, when he experiences an evil, a trial, a trouble, all he has to fall back on is his own character, his own resolve, his, his faith in himself, his faith in his family, his faith in humanity. But God says, we're going to take that trouble, we're going to take that evil, and we're going to prove your faith. We're going to try your faith. Let's see what kind of faith it is. Let's test it. Let's prove it. Let's strengthen it. Let's bring you into a closer oneness with me, he says, through this. Let's grow. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh, it works out. This trial is going to, it's working something out in you. It's bringing it about, what's the word? Patience. Patience. Enduring, continuance, steadfastness. In the New Testament, the characteristic of a man who is not swerved from his deliberate purpose, his loyalty to faith and piety by even the greatest trials and sufferings, it works out loyalty, steadfastness, 
waiting for, a patient enduring, sustaining, perseverance. Strong's definition is cheerful or hopeful endurance. Patience or waiting. Waiting. So, okay, God has allowed this trial in my life in order to prove my faith. Okay, you're going to prove my faith, Lord. Why? Why? Isn't it enough? Isn't it enough that I, that I believe? Well, how are, how are you going to deal with the trial? I've allowed it into your life. It's in your life. Lord, just make the trial go away. Just make the evil stop. I'm proving your faith. I'm testing your faith. Why? Why? Verse 4. But let patience have her perfect work. Her perfect work. It uses the feminine pronoun there because patience in the Greek is a feminine word. Okay, that's the only reason. But I like it because it kind of personifies it a little bit. It kind of puts a face on patience. Let her have her perfect work. Perfect. What does that mean? It means brought to its end or finished. Let it finish. Let it come to its end. Wanting nothing necessary to completeness. Let patience be complete. Let her work it out. Let her bring it to its finish. Full-grown, adult, of full age or mature. Let her have her perfect, mature, of full age work. Let it grow up. Let it finish. Let it mature. Strong says to be complete, completeness of full age, perfect. Let her have her perfect, mature work. Why? That ye may be perfect, that ye may be perfect, mature, of full age, grown up, that ye may be perfect and entire. There's another word. The word entire means what you think it might mean. It means complete in all its parts. In no part Wanting or unsound, it's complete, it's entire, it's in, it is whole. Complete in every part, perfectly sound, entire, whole. Verse 4, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, without want, 
complete, lacking no part. Wanting, lacking, nothing. Now, I want you to think with me here a minute. He says that ye might be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Sign me up. I'm ready. Show me the sign-up sheet. I want to be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Can you um, use your sanctified imagination here a minute and ask yourself, what would that look like? To be perfect and entire, wanting absolutely nothing. Well, I certainly wouldn't want any evil. I certainly wouldn't want any trial. I certainly wouldn't want any testing. I certainly wouldn't want any problems. I would want to be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. i, I got to tell you, I don't know what that looks like. I can't imagine what that would be. No sin. No trial. No problem. Got everything I want. I've got everything I need. I lack nothing. You lack nothing? I am perfect and entire, wanting nothing. I, I want that. I, that, that. Isn't that what we're all looking for? To have everything you need? To have all the hurt, all the pain, all the problems, nothing but perfectness, maturity, perfect understanding, lacking absolutely nothing. James dares to suggest that that's why you count it joy. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So what is this perfect work? I want to steer you to one other passage very quickly, maybe two. Romans chapter 5. This makes me think of Romans chapter 5. James was, it's reported that James was the first letter that was written in the New Testament. When he wrote this letter, I, I didn't do a timeline, but maybe somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Paul was still Saul. And Saul was responsible for a lot of the persecution when James would have written this letter. This opening statement in James 
you see it in the writings of Peter, and you also see it in the writings of Paul. And as I was meditating through James chapter 1, the, the Holy Spirit said, Romans 5. Look with me at Romans 5. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand, and rejoice in the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. Ah, here it is. And what we're going to see is Paul seems to kind of expand a little bit on what James said. And in my mind's eye, I'm thinking, Paul, as he's writing this, he's got the James's letter is sitting over here on the table. And he's probably read it a hundred times as Paul pens Romans. He says, verse 3, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. Why? Why would you glory in a tribulation? Knowing that tribulation worketh patience. And patience, experience. And experience, hope. And hope maketh not ashamed because of the love of God which is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. Faith, excuse me, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience. What does that mean? Patience works experience. The word experience there is approving or a trial. Approved, tried character. It works proved, tried character. It means a test by implication, trustiness, trustworthiness. It's an, ex an experience is a proof or a trial. So patience worketh, works the proof, Paul says, and the proof hope. What is biblical hope? Confident expectation. Patience works experience, the proof. And the proof works a confident expectation. Look at verse 5. And hope, that confident expectation, maketh not ashamed. Confidence. Hope works confidence. I'm confident now. Why? Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by who? The Holy Ghost which is given unto us. What does it mean to be perfect and entire, wanting nothing? There's only one place where that exists. It's in the vine. The only place to be perfect and entire, wanting nothing, is in the vine. It's to be one with God. Let me ask you something. If the Lord Jesus Christ were to manifest himself right here, right now, would you have any problems? I wouldn't. 
You know why? Because I'm confident that I am his and that he's mine. No problems. In the presence of God, there are no problems. I'm perfect and I'm entire. I don't need anything because he is life. He is light. He is love. He is liberty. He has overcome it all. All of the evil, all the trial, all the trouble, all the pain, all the hurt, all the longing, all of the emptiness. It's all done in Jesus Christ. You can only be perfect and entire, wanting nothing, if you are one with him. He doesn't promise that he'll make the evil go away. He doesn't promise to make the trouble stop. But what he does promise is to lift you above it, to lift you out of it, so you can live above it. When I died in Jesus Christ and was baptized into him and raised in him, seated with him, the world didn't die. I died. So until Jesus comes, the world is going to keep coming at me. The flesh is going to keep coming at me. The devil is going to keep coming at me. But I have a promise. A promise that I can live above it. In him. Perfect and entire. One thing. No thing. Psalm 27. And we'll close. The life skill of waiting. I wish we had time to go to Isaiah 40. You all know that passage well. I'll, I'll let you read that on your own. Psalm 27 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, come upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should camp, encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident one thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. Hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle shall he hide me. 
He shall set me upon a rock, and now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in this tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy upon me and answer me. When thou saidst, Seek my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in the plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Wait. It's coming. Wait. Wait, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And my time is gone. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.